Welcome to the show, Paul George in studio with the world famous Adam Conk. Maybe famous in your world. Maybe. The gray bearded. It's getting grayer and grayer. <laughs> I'm like Gandalf. <laughs> but you're not you're not even old. You're young. I am young, I guess, on some scales. If you ask the random college student, I'm an old man. Yeah, you are an old man. But you have more mileage for your age just because of that's the amount true. of kids and Oh, that's true. And Every day I live like three days. <laughs> You're in doggy years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Paul? Dude, I'm really great, man. This is really kind of a, a good day. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a, a you know, we're in studio mm-hmm. uh, doing a show. And we actually, if people were paying attention, maybe they didn't. So if a podcast listener or they listen on air, we actually uh, took a week off, but mm-hmm. n- not really. Like we were doing stuff, but they were in the studio installing some new microphones Upgrade. and headphones and it just feels crystal it feels good it feels like a like a just perfect spring day it just upgrade you like upgrades apparently like with the winter vortex that's been happening <laughs> all over the world this this in studio just feels like the perfect spring day with oh. these headphones like it, it that's it, all it took it's crystal that's all it took yeah so if you could upgrade anything in your life what would you upgrade I would, um, gosh, that's a good question. Like a thing or a okay. Let's go. Let's go. To, let's go two phases here. If you could upgrade anything, uh, like materially, okay, okay. For fun. All right. And if you could upgrade anything spiritually in your life, what would materially, you do? I would say my kitchen. Okay. I want to take it to the next level. Yeah. I want the eight hundred dollar knife. Soup it up. The, the souped y- up kitchen. Yep. Yep. And uh, I guess to match that, I want more time to cook. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, spiritually, um, I want to upgrade my sense of what God wants from me. Ooh. <laughs> I want it to be easier to figure that out. The the ability to <clears throat> discern. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think, you know, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but I've been working on this discernment thing for a while. Right. And I've learned a thing or two, you know, and I'm going a spiritual direction, all these things. But sometimes you get a point to your life where, it's almost like the point is that you don't know what God wants. Right. Like that's what he wants to put you through, mm. is that you just have to learn to rely on him for the next step. And sometimes it's very confusing. Um, and so, you know, just kind of being in there, like a part of that is discerning the diaconate, you know, and like that was a surprise, you yeah. know. But then there's things to discern in the diaconate. What kind of deacon are you calling me to be? Mm. Right? And yeah. that's not an easy question yeah and so uh yeah i feel like i've been flexing a lot of discernment muscle for two two years if i could upgrade um just knowing what god wants of me in my life and kind of rest that discernment muscle for a while and work on other things that would be great what about what about you oh you're gonna ask the question back at oh back at you do you want me to do the spiritual or the both material first which one you want first material so i would um you know our our house is kind of a little old you know, and so there's some upgrades up in there, up in there that, uh, you know, not not like, you know, we got to be fancy or anything, mm-hmm. but like, you know, some some things that would be really great. Like what? Well, there's some walls that are kind of cracking, like mm-hmm. sheetrock and stuff. And, you know, I don't know how to do that stuff. There's nice. some things that I know how to do that I can go in and tile a floor, lay some flooring down. So, but there's some upgrades that I that are beyond my pay scale. Okay, so you want a sheetrock upgrade. Maybe a roof, too. A roof upgrade. <laughs> so uh, if any listeners want to donate a roof, <laughs> so anyway, you know what to do. <laughs> uh, but 
you know, to go along with you spiritually, like I was um, uh, in, in confession not long ago, and um, I don't go to confession as much as I should, but I don't know what how much I should in a sense of yeah, what is I should huh? right. Uh, so it's different for, for everyone, but I, you know, I do go frequent, but I like to go to the same, um, person who's, you know, sort of a spiritual director for me. Yeah. So I was in confession and, you know, kind of rattling off some stuff. And, and, uh, so part of my penance was interesting and, uh, I kind of been sitting with it. So part of the penance, I don't know if I can share this, but I will, um, <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, <laughs> uh, to pick one thing to work on that, you know, that, that I, you know, really want to grow in virtue in or in holiness in, you know, so it's, so the one thing that I feel like I really, you know, want to just focus on and, and pray with and grow in is, is trust, trusting, uh, the Lord and trusting his will and trusting what he wants, even when I can't see, you know, this, this unknown, you know, as you were talking about in your own sermon is, you know, this un- unknown of like, okay, what's next or what are you doing or, Will you provide it? You know, all these human questions that we definitely wrestle with and ask, right? I think everyone uh, can relate who's listening. You know, we we all wonder and ask and, you know, worry and feel anxious and try to guess and, you know, like, and look, there's just many times in our lives we just don't know. And mm-hmm. sometimes we have to be okay with not knowing. And that's where trust comes in. And so for me, uh, the upgrade, the spiritual upgrade that I'm working on is, is trust. Trust, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is what the difference between being childlike and childish is. And a lot of time we pr- we promote in the church because our Lord tells us to to be childlike, but maybe we mean childish. But that's not what St. Paul says. St. Paul says like, look, you should be acting like a grown human being yeah. and a mature Christian. But to be childlike, I mean, if you look at children, what we all envy about it is that they literally don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now because their parents haven't told them and they're just doing the moment you know they're playing with the toy they're um now when it comes time for dinner it's like what's for dinner but they weren't thinking about it before that they weren't planning it they weren't cooking it you know what i'm saying right um they literally go from minute to minute just trusting or or just not even thinking to question where's the food going to come from where's whatever you know and saint therese and her genius figured out that this is what God wants from her and from all of us, Mm. is to live, like she said, I want to be a red ball in the hand of the child of Jesus that he can play with as he wants. And sometimes I'll be in the air, and sometimes I'll be on the ground. Sometimes I'm going to get thrown against a wall, right? Sometimes I'm going to be tucked away and not doing anything. It's up to him, and he can just use me as he wants. And that that is the childlike trust that is really difficult to to obtain. you you got to really let go of so much of what I want, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm not real childish in my faith. I'm I'm a grown up, and you know, I, I go to church every week and the mass and confession, and I, I I think it's looking at it in a different way of childish. Like how often, like when you don't get what you want spiritually, or you don't know mm-hmm. what God wants, or you're struggling with a virtue, or um, you're struggling with a worry or fear, do you become childish in a sense mm-hmm. of like blaming God or you know like complaining? Um, just sitting in your own stuff, like that's where we become childish. Yeah, uh, is we basically throw these spiritual temper tantrums. Yeah, <laughs> you know when we yeah. when we don't get what we want or know what 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 God wants, and and so we instead of living in the moment, 
And I think you bring up a good point. Like childish faith, they live in the moment and trust in the moment. That's the upgrade I'm looking at in my life, you know, constantly leaning into that. And I was reading a study recently, and I went to speak at a Catholic high school, uh, an all-school assembly, which is oftentimes pretty intimidating. So you, you have, you know, a gym full of high school kids, which, you know, as I get older, they get younger, right? <laughs> uh, and looking at you like, hey, what are you going to tell me? <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it went fine, it went good, and then I spent some time one-on-one with some faculty and some kids, and, you know, it was a good day. But uh, before, as I was preparing for my talk, I was doing some research, and I, I came across this study, and it and it's a new study that's out there, and it caught my attention. Here, here's why it caught my attention. It said that uh, um, as someone gets older, basically, the younger generation today are, are um, by by, you know, you know, by and for a uh, fairly happy uh, generation of teenagers. and Like they would say they're, they have a happy life. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you get older, the study shows that as you get older, the less happy you get. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. now the study used to, years and years ago, it was flopped. Like t- really? the teenage generation was less happy. Oh, yeah, like but, the Gen X. Uh, yeah, the Gen mm-hmm. X. But as it got older, you got more and more happy. Uh, and th- so they're trying to figure out why. You know, so most adults, like maybe you're relating to this, is, you know, as you get older, you get a feeling of less and less happy in your life um, because in, in our current state and world and culture, uh, stress, mm-hmm. responsibilities, mm-hmm. life, you know, raising kids, you know, working on your marriage, uh, having a job, paying all your bills, looking at kids' colleges, you know, the lack of a real retirement or the economy, all these things are weighing on us, weighing on adults. Where, as you're saying, is like teenagers don't really worry about those things, right? Mm-hmm. They're just like, hey, my phone works, and <laughs> I went to school today, everything was, and I had food. Lunch was awesome or not awesome. Everything's fine, right? <laughs> so they're not worrying about the responsibilities that adults are. And, and in a lot of ways, adults are, sh- are sheltering kids from that responsibility. And in part, that could be good. Like, hey, there's some things you don't need to worry about. Yeah, like they shouldn't worry about, are oh, we going to pay the mortgage this month? Or, yeah, you know? yeah. But then the flip side is, you know, they're not really teaching younger generation some responsibility. You know, so, right. so there's a balance there. But my point being is that we can learn a lot from the young generation uh, of their childlike faith for us as adults who spend a lot of time in stress mode mm-hmm. and worry mode. Mm-hmm. And there's never more of a time than now to begin to look at a spiritual upgrade for our life. Like, honestly. Yeah. I wish there was a store like the Apple store or AT&T where we can go upgrade our our phone. Yeah. I mean, you could say that the church is that store. But yeah. It's called the Adoration <laughs> Chapel. Yeah. Like, literally, like, plugging into the update, like, yeah, and I don't know about you, but on your phone or your computer, you get these updates, and and you know sometimes it's 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 a minute update. Mm-hmm. It's just like an app or just a quick update, and sometimes it's a total, um, it's a total like software update of your computer. Yeah. It, it might take like two hours, and it's super frustrating because mm-hmm. you can't use your computer. But when it comes back on, it's like faster. It's it's clear. It's it's got you know some new features. And for me, like when I'm looking at and you're talking as well as like these areas of our life where we want 
to really focus in on a spiritual upgrade. It's simply impossible to have a spiritual upgrade in our life if we're not spending time with Jesus and plugging into him. And if we're not surrounding ourselves with people who are helping us to become the better version, more holy version of what God wants for us. Yeah, and to continue your analogy, there are the bigger updates you have to turn off your phone and turn it back on and turn off your computer and turn it back on maybe a couple times. And this is why retreats work so well for us because when we're in the day-to-day, you can make little adjustments, but you can't make big ones. Not really. You know, like you have to be able to step out of it, reboot your life, reboot your mind, and rest. Like if we, we are so stressed out in our society, and everyone listening can relate to this, there is a constant level of tiredness in our life that's mainly just from the stress of our life. Like it's not... We might get eight hours of sleep. We might get six to eight hours, like they say, whatever. But we feel exhausted because of just the stuff that we have to do all the time. And you cannot, you don't have the emotional energy necessary for a reboot or an upgrade in that situation. And the, the chapel provides a certain type of rest. It's not sleep. Now, some people can go sleep in the chapel, and honestly, that's awesome sometimes. You know, like... right. It's a very peaceful setting, and sleeping is good, but there's another type of rest that's available. It's the rest that Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weak or heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Rest. That's what he says. The rest is, don't worry about anything right now except me. Hmm. It's the type of rest that every couple needs at least two, three times a day to look at each other and say, the only thing I'm worried about right now is you. Right. And just being with you. It's that rest, but with Jesus Christ. Right? Like the only thing I'm worried about for this next 30 minutes to an hour is being with you. And yeah, we're going to talk about things about my life probably, like stress will come up. But my main purpose right now is just being with you. And you're in control of this hour, Jesus, not I. Right. And that is a reboot time, you know? And Mm. for a lot of us, it's so important. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's important. Uh, I want to invite people to kind of, you know, maybe do, you know, a little evaluation of, you know, where's God you know, inviting you to a spiritual upgrade and, and to lean into that. And, and particularly the church's beauty of, of having seasons. Those seasons call us to a time of really, you know, spiritual reflection for growth, right? To grow closer to Jesus. And uh, th- those are beautiful times. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a pretty important um, date and anniversary. Whoa. Yeah, it's a pretty big time. And uh, some other uh, really cool things on how we can go even further in our face. Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Kant in studio, talking all things art of living. It's all on the table. Yeah. All things. And it's a fresh spring day in studio. It is. <laughs> like, we don't have any windows to see outside. So it could be a blizzard, which it never is in Louisiana. But Well, look, most of the country is really suffering right now from some frigid, awful conditions. Yeah, and we don't even know what that means. Yeah. 
you know, it's kind of like when I travel. I don't somewhere. have a jacket on outside today. When I travel somewhere and people will ask me, what's a hurricane like? You know, like if you don't, if never experienced the type, you know, like everybody has to deal with different types of weather and, and like, you know, things, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't deal with winter vortex type stuff. No. Down here. You know, I was thinking this morning how much of a blessing a heater is, but down here it's mainly for comfort. Like in other words, if, if I didn't have a heater in my house, it'd be cold. But we'd, we'd survive. But, like, these people are living through minus 60 wind chills right That's now. Nuts. If your furnace breaks, yeah, like, you're dead. Yeah, the, you know what I mean? Yeah, your, like, body, your body can't wow. survive that. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, I want to bring this up, Adam, a little Have You Seen segment. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, I'm f- actually for real. And this is a funny Have You Seen. Um <laughs> Um, this is uh, really, really discouraging, have you seen? Um, and I know you have, but uh, I want to bring this up. Have you seen the comments from the governor in Virginia about abortion? Uh, and Actually, came, I haven't. He came on, on, he was on a radio show and then made some comments, and uh, he's you know, pro, pro-choice, pro-abortion. And to bring that all up, like one of the really important dates that, that we kind of come around, that we do come around, is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. They do the big march in D.C., but, you know, a lot of dioceses and states do, you know, pro-life march and to raise awareness of abortion. You know, and there's all the even people in the church who are like, you know, why do we march? It's like, at the end of the day, the reason that, that people march or people talk about this is because we care that human life is being murdered. You yeah. know, we, we care about human life, okay? Uh, so, you know, wh- whether you march or raise a word, do something, you know, about about the dignity of human life. Well, if you haven't seen this, the Virginia governor uh, made some comments on abortion, basically, uh, in, in a very disgusting fashion, uh, basically said one, one of his ideas was that, that the mother could deliver the child and the child would be placed in a very comfortable position while the mother and the doctor decided together in consultation whether or not to abort the child, kill the child, or keep it. Mm. This is... I actually did see that, yeah. Post-birth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we did have in New York that was recently voted in New York State um, and, and their governor that, you know, up to the time of delivery the baby could be killed mm-hmm. i mean this this is crazy like i i'm like i don't really even my emotions from top down are just like floored you know and it's like you know you want to get angry in a, in a righteous way but what you feel a lot is like i i don't know what to do you know where mm-hmm. where people in our in our world and our culture don't see the value of human life you know yeah Honestly, though, I mean, as awful as this is, I'm encouraged by what this means. So, for example, why are these states all of a sudden starting to pass these extreme, horrible pro-abortion laws? It's because they know that Roe v. Wade's days are numbered. Everyone knows. In fact, they'll be the first to tell you that our current Supreme Court, if it gets a case, will overturn Roe v. Wade. They know that. So that's why the laws are coming. I'm encouraged by 
why they're doing it. I'm also encouraged by the effect that these laws are having on the country because people are not in support of any of this. Right. And the comments, the people that are posting things that wouldn't otherwise to support babies. Because I mean, the thing is, the vast majority of Americans don't think you should kill a nine-month uh, old baby in the womb. Right. Even if they support abortion at some point, it's not that point. Right. And they know they know enough science, and, and you know they they could see this is a fully functioning baby who's going to hurt and feel everything you're doing to it. So the vast majority of Americans are getting super angry about abortion, which is a good thing. Right. You know, and so this governor seems like an idiot. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you say something like that? Yeah. Now to be fair, I think the question to him was what happens if an abortion is scheduled and the woman goes into labor, right? And the baby's delivered, but the the intent was to abort. Yeah, but it was like the perfect question to set yeah. to that to actually get get like a real answer. Like right. like a non-political like here's how you really feel. Yeah, that's how he feels. This is how you feel. And, you know, I'm with you. There's a lot of positives, so I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, mm-hmm. you know, with the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I really want to raise awareness on the show and, and talk about this, and there's a lot of debates around. And, and I agree with you. Like, there, even a lot of people who are pro-choice aren't pro-choice because they believe that killing the baby is right. They just believe that they shouldn't have the right to tell someone what they should do. Mm-hmm. You know, so – but, you know, needless to say um, – you know, for us as Catholics and as Christians, like like life's life. Yeah. Like all life is all life. Like God created all life. Like there's there's no separation between any life, any person, any human being. I mean, this is why, you know, the 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 issue of immigration is so intense right now amongst Christians because we we battle with the reality that all human beings have dignity. Every human being, um, whether that that human being is born handicapped, where that human being is born in another country, another race, another religion, uh, another gender. Like, we, you can't be a Christian and not believe that everyone has dignity and the same dignity. Like, no one's greater than the other. And for Christians, the source of that dignity is that they're created by God and created for God. In other words, this little baby in the womb, Christ has a plan to call that baby to himself for all eternity. Right. And, you know, and with with scientific evolution, you know, even people who aren't Christian are coming to understand just through science, the reality that, you know, at conception, there's life, you know, so they're understanding that, oh, that there's there's life there at the very moment. And so even people who aren't Christians or uh, believers that God created, right, uh, understand that uh, it's not right. (laughs) <laughs> to end life. Well, if any murder is wrong, murdering an unborn child is wrong. So if yeah. whatever your moral system is, if you can't just go kill someone, then you can't kill a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that makes sense. Yeah. So I, you know, the, you know, the question I often come around and you know, people ask is like, you know, then what what do I do? You know, and I'm not of of like this idea like, okay, once a year let's just rally, you know, around Roe v. Wade and let's march once a year. I think we have an obligation as Christians to uphold the dignity of human life all the time. And, you know, if someone's listening, you know, it's, it's, it's always being conscious that everyone has dignity. And I have a lot of people who come to me and be like, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, pro-life people who, you know, don't show much respect for other types of human life, 
in mm-hmm. a sense of, you know, they're not getting behind the, uh, you know, people who are poor or, you know, um, racial inequality. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they're calling out. And here's the reality. Like, if we're going to say that we're pro-life, if we're pro-life, we got to be pro-all-life in a sense of loving, respecting, and upholding the dignity of all human life. Oh, I 1,000% agree. But I also think there is a legitimate, much-needed anti-abortion movement. So in other words, like if we were in uh, Nazi Germany yeah. and I was handing out pamphlets that killing Jews was wrong because we shouldn't kill Jews, mm-hmm. and somebody argued with me and said, well, well, you're not taking care of your neighbor who's hungry, I still should be handing out the pamphlets. Absolutely. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like a thousand percent agree that we should respect all life and that, that is life is the issue, but we also need to wake up as a church to realize Jesus wants to end abortion. Right. Legalized abortion in this country is a massive... It's Partial birth abortion is probably the greatest evil we've ever come up with as a human race. It's worse than dropping an atomic bomb on thousands. It's taking millions of babies, delivering them partially, and killing them before they could be fully delivered. It's probably the most creative, sinister evil we've ever come up with. Yeah. And it's legal in the state of New York today. Yeah. And so... We need to vote correctly. We need to be vocal correctly. Um, yeah, and we, we can't stop being advocates for that. Like, right. we have to... Yeah, you're right. Like, we have to call out the injustice of it all. Uh, but to be Christian, like, we have to, you know, really be, you know, aware of, like, all... Yep, and we have to love those abortion inequality. doctors. And, and that's a question I have is, like, how do you get to people who, who need conversion? Mm-hmm. You know, like people who are so far away that they don't understand their own dignity, that they don't understand that other people have dignity, so much so that they're willing to take someone else's life, right? And like, how do you get to those people? Because I think once someone understands their own dignity, that they're yeah. created in the image and likeness of God, they begin to see the world differently. They begin to see human life dignity uh, differently So and, and see dignity in other people. So how do you get to those people? So they, they have conversions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Like, are we just, you know, and I, I wrestle with that because it's like, I think so many, so so often in the church, we're kind of insulated with each other. Like, we're almost preaching to each other. Yep, yep, yep. You know, like, instead of being able to get to people who need to hear the good news, like, how do we do that? Yeah. Well, I think God's going to raise up certain people like Abby Johnson, the former Planned Parenthood uh, mm-hmm. manager, who they're actually coming out with a movie later this year about her life and her conversion. Well, she was called by God to start a ministry to do just that. And from what I understand, they've they've brought in or or helped over 500 people in the past few years mm-hmm. who are working in the abortion industry come out of the abortion okay. industry. That's great. Because the part of it is that. like if you if that's your living, I mean, think about this. If all I know is this. and what I'm good at is this, and I'm part of this big machine because it is a machine. The abortion machine is powerful yeah. and how do I come out of it, right? That, yeah, and that's the question I'm asking. So they brought out over 500 people, from what I understand, um, through her ministry. And she's, she became Catholic, actually, uh, I don't know, eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, she's a convert. Mm-hmm. Um, so I encourage people to watch the movie, because it. but I think we can support those people that God will raise up to do that work. Because I can't walk into a, an abortion mill or facility and like make much of a difference with those people. Right. But there are people who can. Yeah, yeah. And I do think if we all linked arms to, you know, bring bring good news to people and 
you know, I think for Christians, you know, like yelling and screaming and arguing isn't the approach. Yeah, it's beneath us. It, 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 uh, we have to, we have to like love unconditionally. You know, we have to love through the hate. We have to love through people's brokenness, you know, and you, you never know people's stories, you know, broken people do broken things. Yep. And we believe in a God of, of healing, a guy, a God who heals brokenness. And we have to be the vessel of that. We have to be the vessel of, uh, of bringing, you know, Jesus to people who are broken. And, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's a mission that we all have to get behind basically, you know, in some way, shape or form in, in, in little ways, you know, like you said, by the way we vote, but by the way we act and who we interact with and how we spread the word and how we bring hope and, and really begin to, to help change a culture to be a culture of, of goodness and life and love, you know, where, yeah. we, where we really love everyone. And for most of us listening, you know, I think about this often, a lot of our time is in an office with a very small group of people. Like that's a lot of our life, mm-hmm. right? Most of us are in a school. Small circles of people. We small travel of people that we work circles. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not like talking about life necessarily all the time. We're doing something together, working or yep. whatever. And if we can value each other at work and respect each other's dignity at work, right? then we're much more likely to value and respect other people when we're not at work. And um, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we can all do something to value and validate the dignity of the people we see every day and respect it. But what does that mean? To me, if we're a Christian, that means the main thing I'm worried about with you is that I help you get to heaven. That's why I'm in your life. Like Jesus is calling you to something, and I want to help you find that and live that out, and I want to encourage you. Because that is the dignity. The dignity of each human person is that we're created by God for God. And if I'm a Christian, I know that. Then God is calling you right now to himself, and I'm in your life. What a privilege to help you find God's will for your life. And if I can't look at the people in my life that way, then I'm going to be an inconsistent pro-life person. Yeah. You know, we've had uh, Any Hickman as a guest on the show, and one of the things that Any talks about and a lot of the stuff that he does is how do you simply affect the circle around you, you know, the, the 10 foot radius around you, the people that you're around, like, and, you know, so often we think, Oh, I got to do something great or big to make an impact on the world. And what if you just looked at it as like, who, who are the people that are around you every Mm -hmm. day? Who's in your radius at work and at home and just do that. Well, love those people. Well, and if every Christian just loved people in their radius, then the world would be transformed. You You wouldn't have abortion. Right. Because when you have the unplanned pregnancy, that person will turn to the person that loves them and that they know they can trust. So if that's you, you can say, look, I don't know what God's, I don't know what God has in store for you, but I can help you find the next step, which is not killing the baby. Right. You know? Exactly. And so if we, if, you know, if you're listening uh, and you're like, I don't know what to do, like just love in your area, love in Mm -hmm. your circle, Uh, be a witness in your circle and, and, and influence there. And God will use you in that way. And if we all do that, like if we all do our our circles well, as then he says, then like we'll we'll have great influence. Like it'll be sort of this, you know, this wave effect um, called the church. Called the church, <laughs> you know. And I think for us, 
uh, we're called to keep the church alive and going. All right, great conversation. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here in studio. All things spring like <laughs> new headphones. You're just angering some people in the north right now. Well, they're like, Spring, Paul? You know, I got 28 feet of that's snow. That's fine, but here's the thing if you're in um, cold right now, go in your room, turn on a heater, close all the windows, close your eyes, and just pretend it's spring. Like, you yep. literally don't know the difference. Take a whiff of the flowers. So, what I'm saying is, we're in a studio where there's no. There's no windows. It's not spring here. So, like, don't ever... What I'm saying is we have brand new headphones. <laughs> mics that work really up. well. You're fired up. And we've been waiting on this upgrade in this studio for a while. And here it is. Like, you know, Catholic Radio for Acadiana, Delta Media has, has just hooked us has blessed up. us. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I'm saying is it's spring in my ears. Oh, yeah. you're so happy. I don't know if my voice sounds crisp. But sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, talking all things Art of Living, if you want to find out more about what we do, The Art of Living, go to discovertheartofliving.com. What do you do? Lots of cool things. We have a married conference coming up here locally, and we'll be hosting some of these married conferences all over. It's a one-day married conference. People can get information on that. We do speaking and writing and uh, do a lot of one-on-one mentoring and coaching with people and marriages and men and women and do retreats and conferences and uh, radio content, lots of cool things. Gosh, you you do a lot with us. It's like the Walmart of uh, not really Catholic stuff. Well, we got we have a niche, <laughs> or the Costco. There's just such a variety, is my point. We have a like niche. You can buy everything. Whereas, like Walmart, you can buy everything. We're not oh, everything. We're not everything. No, sounded like I mean, you. No, were, we you're... teach people the art of living through boom, boom, and boom. Gotcha. So it's focused. Yes, it's focused. But there's a large variety within we, the focus. Well, because we. we we want to reach human people. Human people kind of all There's over. There's a variety of people. Yeah. They're married people, single people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I like that word. Discovertheartofliving.com. Yes, yeah, and you can get the podcast there. Um, this podcast? Can, this podcast, this this show, right on there. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, you know, I, uh, I was reminded of the story... Um, recently when I was I was given a talk and uh and I think it was because of you know in our first segment we were talking about these spiritual upgrades and I was speaking at a conference one year and um there there was this there was this guy out in the middle of the crowd with a paper bag over his head. It was really random. Wait, you were speaking yeah so I was in the crowd got on stage and thousands of people were in this arena and I look out and there's this kid you know i say kid like young adult high school age with a paper bag like a brown paper bag over his head and i'm thinking oh it's just kind of a joke it's kind of fun he kept it on all night i'm like oh this is kind of weird 
and brown paper bag. Like I'm not making this up. So the next day is like, oh, you know, whatever. I get on stage again the next day, and the kid's out there with the brown paper bag over his head. You know, eyes cut out, but that's it. Like just like eyes cut out. Now at least. everyone's like enjoying this thing and into it. This kid's sitting there, and it's bothering the heck out of me. <laughs> And so, like, it bothered me so much. I'm thinking, why wouldn't anybody tell him to take this off? Like, does he not have any leaders? Does he not have any mentors? Does he not have friends? You know, obviously, he's obviously being really stubborn. There's obviously something going on. So I told one of the volunteers backstage, I said, I want you to go find the kid with the brown paper bag over his head. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, go get him and bring him to me. (laughs) And so at the break, I'm backstage. She brings this kid with paper bag over his head and uh so we're just staring at each other like he's motionless with the bag yeah with the bag okay. you wouldn't take it off and uh so i just um you know i just looked at him and i said you know what are you hiding from <laughs> right pretty obvious <laughs> what are you hiding from right sure and he, and he said this he goes how'd you know how did I know you had a you have a paper bag over your head? Like what do you <laughs> you know? And then he's just motionless and then like a few minutes of just standing there, like like these tears started dropping out of the bottom of the paper bag. Like head. wetting the bag? Yeah. Oh my. And um so I was like, Are you okay? He's like, How'd you know something was wrong? It's like, you know, you like have sometimes a, people are like have it's no the idea. Subtle that, things that, like the bag on your face. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> how'd you know? And uh, you know, so uh, yeah, so I was I was meeting with this other uh, this other kid not not long ago, and uh, he was telling me about his parents. And he said, you know, my um, my dad's a, a translator for Syrian refugee, refugees. And I was like, oh, what faith is he? And he says he's Greek Greek Orthodox. Now they live in in the United States, and so I said, um, so your dad's Syrian. He's like, how'd you know? I was like, well, he's Greek Orthodox, <laughs> and he's a translator. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> So anyway, this kid finally takes his, the paper bag. I was like, you can take it off, you know? You can trust me. And he takes his paper bag off his head, and and uh, and we begin to talk, you know? And it's like, what are you hiding from? Like, what are you afraid of, you know? We got into this amazing conversation about fears in his life and, like, what he was hiding from, you know? And uh, there, there's two things that, that get me. You know, we were talking about in the first segment about spiritual upgrading in our life, like, you know, there, there's two things. One is oftentimes when we look at our life and the things that we need to work on, we naturally in our human kind of brokenness and sinfulness want to hide those things and pretend like they're not there, right? But basically put a bag over it. You know, no one can see it. Uh, and I can't even see it. I want to pretend like, you know, I don't act this way or do this or have this pattern of behavior or, you know, uh, you know, I'm mean or angry or don't show up on time or I'm not grateful or thankful or, you know, I'm, I, I'm not positive. You know, all these, all these things we just want to pretend and we put it back. Uh, and here's the other thing that caught me uh, as I was, you know, reflecting on the story is why didn't this guy have anyone in his life to tell him to take the bag off his head? You know, mm-hmm. right? Like stop, stop acting this way. You're more than this. Like you're better than this, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think like when we're, we're, looking at at moving forward in our life like it's important that uh we we kind of we kind of look at at those things so here's what we're going to do we're going to do uh, a six pack on the spiritual upgrade 
question. <laughs> I love that radio voice. You like that? Can you do it again? It's the spring <laughs> in me. <laughs> All right. So question number one. Um, so spiritual upgrading. One, a lot of us just kind of think we're doing pretty dang good. And so for us, we're thinking an upgrade is like maybe some minor things. Um, so that tells me it, we find it hard to even know like where we need to upgrade. So what would yeah. you suggest if we don't even know where to start or maybe we think we know everything about ourselves? Like how do we get to know ourselves better to know what needs to be upgraded spiritually? I think it's super important, and I think people are afraid of this, but I think it's, um, you know, I think it it's not only illuminating, but I think it's liberating, is to pray for the gift of self-awareness. Like, I think self-awareness is the start of growth, honestly. Where, where am I, where am I failing? Where am I broken? You know, and I think for adults, I think sometimes kids are more self-aware than adults because adults have ignored certain behaviors for so long that they're afraid to bring it up. And, you know, I was meeting with this guy uh, not long ago and, you know, was having some issues in, in his marriage. And, uh, you know, part of it is that he's completely unaware of how his behavior is affecting his marriage, right? And then, two, he's completely afraid to share what he's unaware of with his spouse, so they just don't just don't even talk about it and go there. And I think it's super important one to start with self-awareness, like where do I need to grow and not be afraid of that because that's the opportunity to to be and become who God wants you to be. Sweet. All right, so continue the upgrade analogy. Sometimes there's spam or malware, <laughs> sir. So you might have something pop on your screen and it's like, "Hey, uh Russian hackers can see all your information. <laughs> Click on this." Right, so sometimes we think something's an upgrade, or yeah, yeah, and there's so much out there. That's true, Paul. If I if I googled how to grow spiritually, don't do that. <laughs> right, so how would you suggest we kind of find the thing that's actually helpful to us, and even some things that are not bad, but not what we need? You know what I mean? Like, how do we find what mm -hmm. we need, so um, or the resource we need to actually grow? Well, and you you brought up being childish, you know, in the first segment, and uh, you know, one things that that kids don't know and they struggle with is that when something pops up on the screen, they just click on it. Mm -hmm. Like the childish thing to do is like, oh, it's just a pop-up. Let me click on it. And then something, you know, weird or bad pops up, right? As adults, like, like we should have the ability to sift through, do I click on that or not? Mm -hmm. Like, and should I just ask someone, is this the thing I should click on to upgrade my computer or is this, is this a, uh, you know, is this a hacker, right? Instead of just clicking on it and assuming that it's good. And, you know, for me is having people in my life who I can count on and rely on to run those things by, right? Instead of just automatically clicking or moving forward or doing the thing or thinking that this is good for me to have some counterbalance in my life and some accountability for those things. And I think that's important to find those types of people to be around us. Right? Yeah, that is important. Great. All right. So question number three, um, in upgrading, that seems to imply that something's wrong. And a lot of us don't want to, I don't know what it is about us, Paul, but like we, we think we should all be superheroes. Yeah. And we get so sad when we realize that we're not 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that, first of all? Um, but really, my question is, like, how do we re-emotionally train ourselves to be willing to admit that there's something either wrong or just something that needs to improve? It just seems like such a defeat to admit that. But Jesus came for sinners. So if you're not a sinner, Jesus didn't come for you. Mm-hmm. And we're all sinners, so there you go. And Jesus also says he's, he's the divine physician. Like, he came to heal the sick, the broken, right? Not the well. That's what the Scripture says, not the well. But none of us are well. So, like, we're all in this together. This isn't about self-deformation or, you know, defeat. This is about opportunity for freedom and growth, right? How, how can I just, you know, become better, holier, more saintly? Uh, how can I love better? And, and, you know, and the thing is, is this is all opportunity for that, right? And I think so oftentimes we get stuck into living a certain way and a certain pattern that we don't see the opportunity for growth as something greater for ourselves. And I think oftentimes you use the analogy of marriage, people are having communication issues. It's really because they're not going to a deeper level in their feelings and getting to the issues because they're afraid that person won't love me or accept me or understand me. But people who have the greatest, I think, and happiest marriages are people who are perfect. It's people who love each other in their in their brokenness and in, in their hurt and in their pain. And they, and, they, and they get to a deep level of emotional intimacy that brings real unity, right? And so it shouldn't be something we're afraid of because it's an opportunity for us to actually experience freedom that we've never felt in our life. So it's okay not to be Superman? Yeah, don't. Or yeah. Superwoman? Yeah, and St. Paul talks about this. He says, you know, in my weakness, I'm made strong. Mm-hmm. In my weakness, I'm made strong. You know, so there's the opportunity in our weakness for God's grace to really move in our life and bring virtue, bring healing, bring, you know, opportunity uh, for us to move forward. All right, question number four. In your life, what have been those activities that really encouraged upgrading, right? So, I mean, lots of people do different things, but like, what's been effective for you where you can look back and say, this experience or this um, thing I did really brought me to another place. And I'm not talking about long-term things like, oh, I did this practice for 20 years. I'm talking about like this type of event, this type of uh, experience. Yeah. Um, and I go through seasons of this where, you know, I have some self-reflection or, or whatnot. But one of the things that I really learned for me that was good, and I was meeting with a, a young adult not long ago, kind of teaching him to start doing this because he, he hadn't and trying to become aware of some of his own weaknesses and, you know, where he was trying to grow. And like, you know, do you ever just sit down and, and journal about that and kind of write some of those things out? And, you know, a lot of times people think journal and maybe it's like, you know, kind of women journal or they all have journals. I'm, you know, like I, like I have like a, this old kind of manly journal. <laughs> it's just kind of sitting down and saying like, like what, where in my life do I desire to grow? Where do I see some some areas that I need to grow? You know, and it, and it could be practical things like I'm horrible at time management. You know, and um, you know I'm not good at studying. You know, well, yeah, well, you got to get better at that if you want to graduate. <laughs> do you want to graduate? Yes, I do. Okay, so there's some things that you need to work on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's asking, well, why am I late? Why am I bad at time management? Is because I'm apathetic? Is it, is it because you know whatever? So there's skills that we can learn, but to, to re, 
one of the exercises I do is sit down and kind of write some things out, you know? And, you know, as we were talking earlier is, you know, I'm working on trust, you know, as a spiritual upgrade. I mean, that's not, that's not an overnight thing, Mm-mm. right? Like this is probably going to take me my whole life, but right now I'm hyper-focused on it. So I'm going to pay attention to when in my day that I am um, struggling with trust when something happens or what thoughts come to mind. And then, you know, I maybe need to sit down and write those things down at the end of the day or in the morning uh, in my prayer time so I can kind of maybe see a pattern. When do I get anxious? When do I get worried? You know, when do I get angry? You know, so whatever you're or whoever's, you know, you're working on, pay attention to when when that pattern begins to take shape so that you can begin to stop the pattern and change the behavior. Like you want to do something different. So much of our behavior is learned. And to learn a new behavior, you have to start a new behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And then that behavior has to become repetitive, right? So, you know, if I've never told my wife I love her, the only way to start doing that is to start doing it and then mm-hmm. to do it over and over to where it becomes natural. It becomes a natural behavior for me to walk in and tell my wife I love her, right? Or my spouse or my kids. You see what I'm saying? It has to be a learned behavior, but the only way we can learn a new behavior is to recognize the old behavior and to end the old behavior is to recognize the pattern of the behavior. So journaling is helpful. It's a that. good exercise. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. All right, question number five. Um, give me your... Top do and don't for those that are interested in a spiritual upgrade. Like, they listen to the show. Yeah. I'm in, Paul. Give me a top do and don't. Well, top do, I would say, is for, like, when we're talking about spiritual upgrade, and this is just an analogy we've been using, you mm-hmm. know, so someone's offended by the spiritual <laughs> upgrade terminology. Like, we're just, we're talking about getting spiritually, talking about conversion. Yeah. spiritually better in our mm-hmm. life and, and growing, um, is... Every now and then, and I think you would agree, and you could tell me if you don't, is we need like a spiritual kickstart, mm-hmm. like like something that like wakes us up and shakes us. And so the top do is, w- w- what spiritual kickstart do you need? Like like a wake up? Do you need to go on a retreat? Uh, do you need to go on a men's or women's retreat or conference day of reflection? Um, or just grab lunch with somebody you know can take you to another level. Go to gra- grab lunch with someone who's going to really ask you some questions. S- go to spiritual direction. Go to mm-hmm. confession. But but some type of like like interaction that's going to like wake you up. Like 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 really kickstart your motor that's kind of been sitting up all mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is it, it really ignites you into evaluating your life and your spiritual life and where you want to go. So the top do, if, if you're, if you're stuck and you're really desiring a spiritual upgrade is, is to do something that's going to give you a real kickstart. Okay. Mm, I love it. Yeah. All right. Top don't. Well, top don't is if you've always done what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Do you follow me? Yeah. It's quite a sentence. So sometimes in the analogy of working out, like if if you do the same workout for two years, one, you get really tired of it. Two, your muscles <laughs> get used to the same workout, so they actually stop growing. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is you really need to change it up. Mm-hmm. So if you always do what you always do, you always you know get what you always get, right? Mm-hmm. If you're spiritually stuck, you might want to change your routine. 
I like that. You know, so the top don't, I guess, was is, you know, stop doing what you're doing and do something different, <laughs> yeah. right? To kind of help the kickstart to keep going. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that because, like, if I've been struggling with patience with my wife, for example, there are some things you can do, exercises, spiritually speaking, that will increase patience specifically. Like, right. Work that out. You know? Yeah. Or if you like, you know, my prayer time's been at night, but I always fall asleep. Stop doing that. Like, mm-hmm. do it some other time. Like, find a better time to do it. Or, you know, if, if you know, like you said, like, if I'm always doing this, like, just change it up. And what you end up doing is finding a better, a better uh, flow or approach for what you want to accomplish. Love it. All right, question number six, very serious. It's actually a few questions, three questions for question number six. We don't have much time. No, no, no three questions. Okay. One, um, are you going to watch the Super Bowl mm. this Sunday? Two, who's going to win? And then three, do you even care who wins? So that's your that's your mm, question. Yeah. So Disclaimer, you live two hours from New Orleans. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of sour <laughs> taste in... Saints fans mouths and if you don't mm-hmm. know why then you have it you've been under a rock but mm-hmm. it's okay we love you we love the rock uh so I am not I, I love football but I'm not super interested in the game mm-hmm. um I will watch it because it's sort of like you got to have something to talk about the next day and people it's watch an American it, holiday but I'm not going to be into it mm-hmm. um I'll probably pay attention more to the commercials mm-hmm and I do not care, uh, to answer the final question, I really don't care who wins. Do you have a prediction? That was question number two. So I just wouldn't bet against the Patriot dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's hard to bet against people who have been there. They're veterans. They've won it before. Um, so it's hard to bet against them. And, you know, so I think they have a better chance. But, I, you know, when it— You could care less. I could really care less. You know, well, you heard it here, folks. I could he really, could care less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, and I know a lot of Saints fans don't want the Rams to win, but look, it's not the Rams' fault that they're there. Like, there's a lot of other factors, but I really don't care who wins. You know, uh, but it'll be fun, and uh, I hope the commercials are good and funny. And <laughs> so, basically, if there's not good commercials and, this year, and there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Well, because they're just looking for the commercial in South in Louisiana. Yeah, Saints yeah. fans are gonna be really disappointed. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, great being with you, man. Uh, super Same glad that, that we have these these um, new headphones. things. You headphones fired up, are, dude. Dude, I'm fired. I've up. never seen anyone so fired up over headphones. Yeah, it's, it's inspiring. I don't get new toys often. <laughs> I never really buy anything for myself, so this is this is actually kind of kind of nice. nice. Great. So anyway, people can find the show. You can get it on um, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or discovertheartofliving.com. Uh, you can share it, invite people to it. Um, you can support us uh, and the work that we're doing there on the website as well uh, to keep this going. Thanks to Adam, KLFT Radio, for uh, making this happen. And hopefully, with all things considering, we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.